Don't try to make disciples and win people to Jesus if you're not living a life that shows you're a believer. That's step one. Step two is this. Step two is be an encourager. Here's why this is step two. Encouragement gains influence. Our goal is to gain influence with people so when we give them our testimony, when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about what God's done for us, when we invite them to church, they want to follow us. They want to hear what we have to say, and it's not going to happen unless you build influence. Encouragement builds influence. Um, all relationships rise and fall based on communication. Healthy relationships have healthy communication. Unhealthy relationships have unhealthy communication. Let me say it differently. All the people you're in a relationship with, whether they're Christians or not, if it's a healthy relationship, it's because y'all know how to talk to each other with respect. You know how to affirm each other. You know how to compliment each other. All these relationships you have in your life that are going down south and that aren't working out and that are unhealthy, is because one of the two people does not know how to speak respectfully and calmly and, 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 and kindly to each other. Uh, we have to learn that our words have the potential to bring healing into somebody's life. Our words have the potential to cause somebody to rise up out of fear and mediocrity. Our words have the potential to cause somebody to uh, build trust with us so we can talk to them about Jesus. The opposite is true. Your words can cause somebody to feel a lot lower about themselves. Your words can cause somebody to shrink back in fear. Your words can cause people to feel like a failure. If you learn how to get your mouth right when you're talking to people, then you'll be able to build influence so they want to hear what it is you have to say. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Encourage one another daily. The word encourage here in the original Greek language means this, to strengthen or build upon. It's almost, if you're taking notes, draw a picture of a building with a really thick foundation. It's almost referring to before you ever build a building up, you got to build it down first. You got to make sure there's good rebar and the, and the concrete's good and thick and, and, it, and it goes down deep. How many of you know that when you build a building, it, the whole thing is based on the foundation? If you don't have a foundation, you can build the most beautiful skyscraper or hotel and it's going to come crumbling down. Everybody we're in relationship with, we're building a house or a building with that person. And some of you, you're in a relationship with people and you want it to grow. The problem is your foundation is not based on encouragement. If your foundation is not based on encouragement or compliments or affirmation, no matter how tall that building goes, it's going to end up falling over. Um, it's really important that whenever we're talking to non-believers, we don't use Christian lingo that they don't understand. Uh, last week, you know, I told you on Facebook not to put things that show that you're, you know, if you're a believer, your Facebook should not be like everybody else. That's over here. Let me talk to you about this side of it. All these scriptures you put up all the time are prophetic words or all these Bible stories and things like that. Those are great, but they're not building influence with a non-believer. Nobody's going to come to know Jesus because of your scriptures or your Bible stories. No one's going to come to know Jesus because you put a video on Facebook or a video on the internet. People come to know Jesus when you build a one-on-one -on -one relationship with them face-to-face -face, and your verbiage lines up with the fact that I love you, I like you, and I want you in my life and part of the church. I want you to be in heaven with me. When your verbiage shows that you care about somebody, they'll follow you. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. <laughs> did I just make that up? I don't think I did. Anyway, uh, Proverbs 15.4 says, Gentle words, not spiritual words, but gentle words build up and encourage their tree of life with healing power. 
Um, I hear people all the time, they're talking to somebody trying to witness, and they'll change the language from English to Hebrew. They'll say, oh, you need to come with me. I serve Yeshua HaMashiach. Now, when people say stuff like that, it makes me so, I want to pull my hair out. I know that that's Hebrew for Jesus, the anointed one, but other people don't know that. It makes you sound flaky and weird. Or when you tell somebody, you know, can I pray for you? And if they give you permission, you say, yeah, and then you start praying to Abba. You know, most of us here know Abba is God in Hebrew. But if you say that to an unbeliever, they'll think you're talking about the music group and you're just pronouncing it wrong. You know, Abba or whatever. So it's gentle words that build up, build up, there it is again, and encourage our tree of life with healing power. Healing powers in our words. There's a true story that took place years ago. This, this young lady in high school, she's a teenager, and uh, she was six feet tall and she weighed 95 pounds. She battled anorexia. And uh, she was incredibly depressed. No one really knew it. She had cut herself off from her family and from her friends. And she figured she was just going to starve to death and just die naturally like that over the next several weeks, maybe months. And one day at school, this other girl came up to her and said to her, I, I said, I notice you're good at math. Could you help me with some math homework tonight? And the girl with anorexia agreed. So the friend came over to her house and they spent hours together and this girl taught her the equations and the homework and went over it over and over again. As the friend was leaving the house, just in passing, she turned around and said, you're so good at math, I bet one day you would make a great math teacher. That one compliment that affirmed a gift or a talent God put inside of the girl caused a light to come on. All of a sudden she thought, I'm good at something. I have a gift. I have a reason to live. I can help people. Somebody needs me. 20 years later, that girl with anorexia, she has three kids. She's married, and she's an award-winning math teacher. And she credits her whole healthy life back to the one compliment that a friend gave her in passing. Friends, our words can bring healing power into somebody's life. They can cause them to do things they never would be able to do without your compliments and without your praises. Uh, last year, I did a series on David. And do y'all remember David's best friend's name who was Saul's son? His name was Jonathan. Yes! Y'all are so smart. Way better than the second service. Okay, so 1 Samuel 23, 16 says, Jonathan went to David and encouraged him. Listen, a godly friend is a good encourager. If you want to know if you have godly friends around you, are they encouraging you toward the things of God? Are they encouraging the talents, the gifts that God's put inside of you? Are they encouraging things uh, that you're, you're going to help people and, and make a change in the world? And let me say this in a different way. Uh, if you're going to be a godly friend, you've got to learn how to be a good encourager. Here's a funny thing. We all think thoughts about people, right? I'm sure already in this service you already thought, man, she sang so good. I like her outfit. Um, he did a good job with playing that instrument. Uh, thank you for ushering and taking care. I bet we've already thought thoughts like that. But your thoughts don't bless anybody but yourself. Your thoughts are doing nothing for your relationships at all. A blessing is not a blessing until it's spoken. Um, I heard somebody say this, compliments are the glue that hold relationships together. The compliments we give each other are the glue that keep our relationships going. So uh, the sermon prop for today, I gave you all a little, a little bottle of water and I put the sermon title on there. And so here's, I wanted to give you a picture of what I'm talking about today. Inside of every person is a tank or a vase or you might want to call it a love tank, a love tank that needs to be filled. Um, these ping pong balls, these are going to represent the people that God has put in your life who you're trying to influence. 
who you want to um, you want to get them to listen whenever you talk about Jesus or whatever however you, maybe it's your spouse you're trying to influence to do some change in their life or whatever the case is but that's what these ping pong balls represent them every compliment that you give somebody every word of affirmation you're pouring into their vase now here's the key you should not ever require change out of somebody until you have filled up their love tank to a certain point. Our problem in life is, is that all of our relationships, we're all dehydrated on the inside. We're trying to ask people to change and fix this and do this different and can't you ever do this right? All that's doing is siphoning out of their tank. Y'all know what siphon is? When I was a teenager, we tried to steal gas out of somebody's car, you know. And the 12th time we finally figured out it just does not work. You know, you take the water hose and you, okay, it doesn't work. Anyway, but you can siphon out of somebody's soul. How do you do it? When you give them advice they hadn't asked for. That's siphoning out of their tank. Whenever your husband comes home and just wants to tell you about his day and you give him 12 things he should have done different after his story, that's siphoning out of the tank. Whenever you're critical or tell somebody you know you're going to hell or you shouldn't dress like that or you shouldn't do this, that's siphoning out of their tank. Now, this isn't really um, true. This isn't relatable when it comes to if you're somebody's boss or if someone lives in your home or if you're a coach or a teacher, they should do whatever you say. If you're a police officer, you don't have to encourage people before you give them a ticket, you know, that kind of thing. I'm talking about people that you are in relationship with who you want to encourage. Every word of affirmation. That's a nice dress you're wearing today. And of course, ladies compliment ladies in that area, and men compliment men. I mean, don't tell a man he's got a nice dress on. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, so don't get in trouble at work or anything like that. But every time you affirm somebody, you're filling up their tank. Don't try to make a withdrawal by asking them to change or do something different or can you please fix this without filling up the tank all the way. In relationships, it's like we're all on empty, and so everything's magnified, and people get offended easily, and they think you don't love them and don't like them. There's two reasons why people don't fill up tanks, and it's not on the board, so you might want to write this down, but two reasons. There's one of two reasons why somebody, whether it's you or somebody in your life, does not fill up a tank, and here's, why, here's the two reasons. One is selfishness. Selfishness. When you're trying to get somebody to change or fix this, or honey, can you, can you, you always leave your, your socks on the ground? Are you ever going to pick up your socks? It drives me crazy. All things like that. You're, it's selfish because you don't really care about them. You care about yourself. And you're trying to fix them or change them so your life will be better, not for them. That's selfishness. The other reason people don't feel tanks is because of laziness. They're lazy. If I ask you today, tell me, 20 things that you don't like about your friends, you could probably name all 20 of them just like that. If I said, tell me three things you absolutely love about the people you're in relation, you'd have to think a little bit. Okay, I like that they're this, and then uh, maybe... And it, Here's why we're lazy. We're not used to affirming people. We're not used to encouraging and complimenting. Proverbs 16, 21 says that a wise, mature person is known for his gracious words... Pleasant words persuade others. You want to persuade people to change, you got to bring in pleasant words. Everybody say pleasant words. Pleasant. pleasant words. Good job. Communication is actually a test of spiritual maturity. If you want to know how spiritually mature you are or how spiritually mature somebody else is, all you got to do is listen to them talk for a little bit. James 3, 2 says if you can control your tongue, you are a mature person. Now, some of y'all in your household, now I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing 
that some of y'all's lives would be so much better if there was a big, thick roll of Gorilla Tape right outside your front door. And right before you walk in your house, you put that tape over your mouth because you'd be better off shutting up than walking in your, in your house with the ability to talk. If you can't control your tongue, tape it up and don't say anything. In fact, the Bible says how God hates strife and detests when we use our words the wrong way and that kind of thing. Honestly, some of y'all be better off just shutting up. Every time you're under the roof of your house, don't say a word. Don't say anything. 2 Corinthians 13.10 says, The Lord has given me authority to build up and not tear down. Here's what spiritual authority looks like. Authority. You want to be a leader in God's kingdom or a leader in ministry? It's not based on your position or your title. It's based on how well you build people up. and Whether or not you tear them down or build up when you're around them. Um, there are two ways to show what somebody's heart is like. All through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, the two ways to show where your heart belongs and what's going on in your heart, one is how you spend your money, the percentage of your income, what you spend each thing on, whether it's giving to church or your car or all that. The percentage shows where your heart is. Here's the other way, is where your words are. Matthew 12, 34 says, Your mouth speaks words that show what your heart is full of. We have to learn this principle if we're ever going to have successful relationships. We have to learn this principle if we're ever going to have peace and prosperity in our homes. Um, there's a true story that took place years ago in this high school. This teacher, she was doing her best to teach a class, and it was a Friday, and school was almost over, and everyone was being disorderly and disruptive, and she just had enough. So she told all the kids, close your books. They all closed the books. She said, pull out a piece of paper, and they did. She said, I want you on the left side of the piece of paper to write down the name of every single student in this classroom. And next to their name, I want everyone to write down one thing that you think is good about that student. Man, the kids were so excited, they went to work. You could hear them talking and looking around and making sure they got everybody's name and thinking of the thing they liked best about that person. By the time they were done, the bell rang, class was over, and they went home. Over the weekend, the teacher took all of the papers, and she typed out individually the name of each student on one piece of paper separately. And then she put down all the 30, 35 comments underneath that kid's name. On Monday morning when the class came in, she had all the papers sitting at their desk, and man, the room was filled with electricity. You should have heard them. They were yelling and laughing and cutting. I didn't know that they liked me, and I didn't know they thought I was good at this, and I didn't know somebody saw this in me, and they could tell. On and on it went. The class left that day with more water in their tank than they had had their entire life. Years went by. And the Vietnam War took place, and one of those students was killed in Vietnam. The high school teacher and some of the former students attended the funeral. At the end of the funeral, the high school teacher was talking to the father of the fallen soldier, and the father told her, he said, I want to let you know what my son was carrying in his pocket the day he was killed in Vietnam. He opened up this piece of paper. It looked like it had been opened and folded thousands of times. Open it up, and it was that note. Had the soldier's name on there and all the affirming comments that his high school friends gave him. As they were talking, and the father was saying how much it meant to his son, and he talked about it all the time, these other former students came running over in the conversation. One of the guys said, I still have my paper. I keep it in my top drawer at the office. I look at it every week. 
Another lady said, I keep mine in my wedding album. As they were sitting there talking, one of the other students opened up his wallet, and there was that piece of paper with his name and all those affirming comments. Why was this so special to them? It's because everybody needs encouragement and affirmation in their life. We all crave it. It says in Proverbs 12, verse 18, that thoughtless words can cut like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Don't ever withhold a... Con Listen, it takes so little time. doesn't cost you any money at all, and it can cause somebody to be empty to overflowing within just a few minutes. That's all it takes. Um, I read where, and, and I studied this too in my sociology class in college, but there's this group of Yale professors, and they can predict a couple getting a divorce or not up to a 93% accuracy based solely on hearing how the husband and wife speak to each other for less than one day. Let me say it again. There's this group of Yale professors. They can accurately, they can, they can, they can tell whether or not a couple is going to get a divorce up to a 93% accuracy based solely on hearing how the husband and wife talk to each other for less than one day. I'm sure that there's not a lady in this room that would ever want to be physically slapped or punched or beat. That would be evil, immoral, illegal, and wrong. In the same way, let me tell you that your words can sometimes do more damage than your fist. Just like the scripture says, thoughtless words can cut like a sword. Um, I don't know exactly how a woman's soul is, but let me tell you how a man's soul is. A man sees every single person as either a friend or foe. Every, there's no gray. You're either my friend or you're my enemy. And I've seen too many marriages, and I'm sure it's vice versa, but I've, I've seen it, you know, I've noticed within marriages with men that a woman doesn't realize it, but she's cutting her husband up left and right. You don't make enough money. You're not strong enough. You're not fast enough. Can't you do things better? On and that. You don't realize how detrimental that is to a man's soul. It says in Proverbs 21.9, it's better to live on a flat roof exposed to all kinds of weather than in a house shared with a nagging and fault-finding woman, and I'm sure that that has, goes with a nagging and fault-finding man as well. I'm sure it goes with the man. And my question is, I asked God, I said, how many times does the woman have to repeat it until it's considered nagging? I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to say if you say it more than once, we're going to consider it nagging. And all the men said, Amen. you're going to get in trouble so bad, y'all are going in the dog house. Okay, so... Let me tell you how to, I'm almost done. Let me tell you how to fill up somebody's tank to overflowing. Here's the greatest thing. You, if, if you remember nothing else today, write this next point down or take a picture of it. But here's what it is. You want to affirm people in the area of their passion. Of their passion. Um, it's great to just give somebody a compliment. But when you take the time to study the person who you're trying to influence, and you see that if, if she's always got her hair fixed different and always wearing different outfits, you can, a, a, a woman can tell a woman, you know, you're so stylish. I love your style. And your if, a, if a lady's a stay-at-home mom, you want to compliment her children or compliment how, how well-behaved they are, how dressed they are, and they don't have to be well-behaved. You say it anyway because you're trying to build. You're speaking in faith if you have to. Listen, um, it, it doesn't matter how someone's acting. It matters what's going on inside your heart, okay? 
Uh, if a man's good with computers, if he's good at fixing things, you want to compliment him in that area. If he's good at sports, if he loves sports, uh, whatever it is, you've got to find the person's passion and affirm them in that area. Now, ladies, let me tell you, if you really, really want to do something great for your husband, you always compliment your husband using words that end in the letters E-S-T, okay? Your husband doesn't just want you to think he's smart. He wants you to think he's the smartest. Good job. Your husband doesn't want you to think that he's um, handsome. He's the handsome that might not be the best verbiage, but you understand what I'm saying. Um, your husband's not just wise, he's the wisest. You got to make sure you use EST compliments. Um, also, you can counsel people through praises. Instead of telling them, why don't you always do this right or that right, you can say, I love it. It really blesses me so much when you do da 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 da. You counsel, counsel through praises. Don't tell your husband, the yard looks so nasty. Are you ever going to cut this grass? What are we going to do about this? You tell your husband, do you know when you're out there pushing that lawnmower and that sweat's just pouring down your chest? It makes me want to run out there and grab you and hug you. When you do that, listen, if the lawnmower's broke, he'll use scissors. He'll do whatever it takes. He'll go out there. Why do y'all think the grass looks so good at our house? Because I tell Micah, honey, when you're out there pushing that lawnmower... And that sweat's just pouring down your body. She's out there like this. She'll cut the neighbor's grass, the other neighbor's grass. She'll have a landscape team by the time I'm done affirming her and that. <laughs> okay, I'm almost done. Here we go. I'm not going to look up there. I think she's up there. I'm not going to look up there. But anyway, Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt words come out of your mouth, but only helpful words that build up and are a blessing to those who hear. Now you say, John Paul, you don't know my spouse, and you don't know this guy at work that doesn't know Jesus. Here's our problem. For some reason, we get shocked when people who don't know Jesus treat us bad or, or, or greedy or mean or rude. They're in the dark. That's how we should expect them to act until we build influence and bring them into the light. So don't, don't be shocked by that. Encouraging someone is not based on his or her performance. It's based on you're in my heart. You encourage people based on what's in your heart, not in them. It's your words that can bring them up to the level that you're calling forth. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, last thing. I'm Jesus took 12 imperfect men. They had so many problems. I mean, that what Peter cussed and had a temper and wanted to fight. Matthew was a tax collector, and he was known for being crooked and dishonest. Um, the fishermen, I mean, all these, all these, they had all kind of issues in their life. But Jesus looked them in their eyes in Matthew 5.13 and said, You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You know, in the natural, they weren't anything unique or special, but they rose to the level that Jesus called forth with his words. The last thing that Jesus did before he left earth just blesses me. I mean, this is the most spirit. If you think, you know, I have people that think they're so spiritual they can walk on water. If you think you're more spiritual than Jesus, you got issues. So Jesus was the most spiritual man on planet Earth. And the last thing he did, he could have said all these different things, you know, and he could have called a million angels down to help him ascend into heaven. And he could have, you know, drawn a mountain with his finger. All these spiritual things he could have done. But the last thing Jesus did, he took the men who he wanted to influence the most. He took his friends. And it says in Luke 24, 50, Jesus raised his hands, blessed his disciples, and was taken up to heaven. The last thing he did before he ascended to heaven was he blessed his disciples. 
What does bless mean? He verbally praised them. He said, man, you guys are awesome. You're doing such a good job. I'm so proud of how far you've come. Y'all are so smart. You're going to impact the world. I'm so excited to send you my Holy Spirit to give you the power to do all these great things. I'm so thankful for you being in my life. And then Jesus rose up into heaven. It's interesting. I believe that throughout the sermon, we've probably come up with 25, 30 different compliments we could use. It doesn't take that much time to fill somebody's tank. I mean, all the things that you can withdraw and you could ask of them and you can do. I believe even in marriages, I believe there should be 100 compliments before we ever ask anybody to change one thing. I think in personal relationships, it should be close to that. I mean, you don't realize how often we are siphoning from people rather than complimenting them. But I can honestly tell you, if you will be a light and be a witness, and then if you will begin to influence people with your words of encouragement, you'll build the foundation that you need so when it's time to talk to them about salvation, Jesus, church, they'll listen to everything you got to say. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. If you would, please bow your heads with me. Eyes closed, musicians and